How many like to win? I probably should say, who likes to lose? Probably nobody. I don't know about you, but I really like to win. Sometimes I like to win so much that if I'm not good at it, somebody else is good at it, I won't even play because I don't want to lose. Come on, somebody say amen. You can call that pride. I just call that something else. I want to win. So my wife and I were playing this game. What was the name of that game? Called Five Crowns. You ever heard of it? It's a card game called Five Crowns. I don't know if it's new or what, but um, Five Crowns. And, and so I didn't know how to play. She didn't know how to play. So we read the rules and we played it. And I thought, I got this. I got this. And the first like five or six hands, seven hands, you play up to 13 hands. And I thought, well, uh, we're doing pretty good. We're actually pretty even. And then she got six points on the board, which means I was winning. So the more points you get, the less you are going to win, likely to win. And so I thought, well, this is going to be good. Then she just totally killed me, crushed me on the last five or six hands. I mean, totally killed me, crushed me. And I didn't like it. Like, I didn't like it a lot, you know? And, uh, and so I sort of pouted, and as I'm pouting, she's laughing at me, y'all. There was no Jesus in her at all. She was not walking the principles of love. She was in my face laughing at me. And she goes, you want to play again? And I said, no. I hate this game. I'll never play this game again. I like to win. Even when I was a kid, I, I, I wouldn't do it now. Probably not. But I wouldn't do this. I don't think. I would cheat at Monopoly. I would hide the money under the board, under my leg. You know, I, I, if I was playing my sister, I'd cheat because I wanted to win. You know, that's terrible. But I, but, and if I didn't win, I would just have a fit. And to this day, I, that still comes up in me. I hate it so much. And... Um, I really felt like that was a, another one of those little life lessons that the Holy Spirit puts in your spirit concerning us because we were actually born to win, but sometimes it looks like in life it's going the opposite direction and we get so angry and frustrated. How many remember the story of Jehoshaphat and how Je Jehoshaphat was uh, the king of Israel, had won one competition after the other in the area of warfare, right? So he was good at it. He was good. At, he, was, he had great military leaders and everything. And he was in a place in his, his kingdom where he was enjoying peace and comfort and the spoils of war, if it were. And he had enjoyed that for a season. And then he wakes up one day and somebody can, came to him and said, uh, sir, uh, we got a problem today. What's that? Well, we've got armies surrounding all of Jerusalem. We're besieged. And he said, who is it? He said, it appears to be three different nations that have come together for our demise to take us out to destroy us. The devil's always got a plan of attack to cause you to lose, to go down, to go backward, to, to not, just to, to destroy, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to bring life, and life how? More abundantly. Life is good. Jesus promised life and an abundance overflow of life into our, into our lives. And so um, the first reaction he had was fear. He had fear. Fear of what? Losing. Losing what? Loss of life. Loss of loved ones. Loss of his kingdom. Um, loss of authority. All of the things that goes through someone's like that, a mind like that, a leader's life. 
And so um, he didn't know what to do and he began to pray. So when you don't know what to do, you go to God. And he did that. He went to God. And the Bible says that, that, an, uh, that the prophet was sent by God to tell Jehoshaphat something special. And the prophet, which represents the prophetic word of the Lord, was given so that he would have instructions and certain specifications to carry out. And the prophet said, God knows what's going on. He sees what's happening here. And... Um, Uh, He sent me by to let you know that the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. And by, by, by definition, it's, he was saying that this is not something that you may have been prepared for, but God already saw it. So God already knows the outcome. So if God's involved in it, you can't lose. You can't lose no matter what it looks like. So, um, so in fact, uh, he says, here's what you do. He says, you're going to go down to Ziz and you're going to face off your enemies. But what's interesting, my, my daughter had an incredible revelation she's going to share with the youth. It's going to be a completely different take on this. Uh, she shared with me a couple weeks back. And as I'm reading this, I'm going, my goodness, I've never seen this before. But as I'm reading this, I see that, in fact, Jehoshaphat was told by the prophet to go down to face his enemies But God did not give the prophet the specifications totally. I found out something that the word of God is there to help you, but it may not tell you, hey, buy this house at 4901 South Howell. That's our address here. But but, but, but it may not say the exact instruction in the Bible, in the word of God, but because you know that you're supposed to go that direction, as you go by faith, God will give you further instruction of how to handle it. And so he does this, he goes down there, and then God says, now, Jehoshaphat, get the praisers together and get them in front of you. Don't need to take a sword or a spear or an arrow. Go down there, and as the the people begin to praise me in my presence, I, the Lord God, will fight for you, and I will cause an ambush against your enemies as you praise me. Now, as you were praising God just a moment ago, you've got to understand, you were sending forth the arrows of God, not the arrows of flesh. You were sending forth the sword of the spirit, not the sword of the flesh. Come on, somebody. And you were doing battle against the enemy that was trying to get you to lose or trying to get you to be destroyed. And he said, I'll do it. So by faith, he sends them out. As he sends them out, they begin to praise and worship God. And as they begin to praise and worship God, they begin to have confusion amongst the race and begin to kill one another. You ain't got to get vengeance on your enemies. Even your enemy will begin to turn on each other before it's all said and done. And then he said, the Lord said, now go ahead and they're all dead. Collect the spoils of war. And it took them three days to collect the spoils of war. The title of my message this morning is The Will to Win. Do you have the will to win? Father, this morning we go before you and we thank you, Lord God, for the revelation of your word that's already begun. Quicken it, I pray, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord God, for the study of your scriptures, but it's more than that. We want the prophetic flow of the Holy Ghost this morning until we're not the same people that we came in as in the name of Jesus. Let it flow, Holy Spirit, we pray. And everybody said a big amen and amen. Hallelujah. Man, I've been looking forward to this all week. Praise God. I'm talking about being with you all. I just love this. 
Look at Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse number one. And, and just go ahead and indulge me. I'm going to read this and we'll, we'll make comments. But it says this, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Okay, talking about obedience. To observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. It will come to pass if you will simply obey. This is what's going to happen. Blessings will come. He said, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Blessed uh, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. It's saying to us today in the modern vernacular, it's gonna, he's going to bless your business. He's going to bless your entrepreneurism. He's going to bless your home, your household items. He's going to bless your kids. He's going to bless everything you're involved in in society and in your world. He is, will bless if we'll obey. The Lord will also cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. And the Lord will command the blessing on you, watch this, in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he sworn to you, if you will keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. You know, the world is constantly pulling us out of this to walk in the world's ways. And then to get us to, um, it, it's like it becomes easier for us to agree with the world. We'll kind of live what we want in private, but let's agree with them in public because it's just easier to do. But God wants us to live the commandments of God Every day, out loud, 24-7, somebody say amen, public and private. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see. Well, how can they see it if we're not living it, right? Then all the people shall, of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you, and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods. Come on, y'all. In the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you, the Lord will open to you his good treasure the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. I can't preach it, but I can just read it. So this is that good. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Not bad to borrow, but it's better to be able to be a lender. Amen. And the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You shall be above only, not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. God has already laid out our lives with complete success and prosperity, but there's that one little thing he asks of us, and that's to be obedient to what he asks us to do, to be obedient to his commands and his word. For a believer, that's you and me, those who are in Christ, to win. We need God's blessings which is his empowerment to prosper. And the way you get the blessing is through obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. What is obedience? Anybody? It means to obey, right? What's the opposite of obedience? 
Disobedience, y'all got that. So disobedience, we'll talk about that in just a moment, turns on something completely different. So, but when I obey, we know for a fact, I obey God's word in the face of all odds, in the face of people don't like me no more, in the face of persecution, in the face of being cut off by my friends, in the face of losing it all. If I obey God, he gives me all these incredible promises and blessings. He's, the man that he, he's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. So we have the issue uh, we see in the word of God of, the, of a king by the name of Saul. And, and Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was a handsome man. He looked kingly. He looked stately. And the people desired to have a king like the other nations. God said, I want to be king to you. I want to be your king. But he granted them their request anyways. And so he allowed them to have a king by the name of Saul. And the Bible talks about how Saul really at first feared the Lord, but then after a while, he began to fear the people. He began to fear the people in their opinions. Now he's the king. He can literally do what he wants to do, but somehow he allowed fear to grip him about what people thought about him as a king. So now he's moved out of faith in, in his uh, alliance to God and following after God in his ways and doing what God's asked him to do to say, well, I'll do some of that, but I also want to give the people a little something too because after all, you know, I, I want them to see that I'm a good king and, I, and I, I know how to take care of them. But God says, first and foremost, I'm number one. You must follow after me, obey me, then the blessing comes. So God told Saul, I'm going to give you the victory over this particular uh, nation that's out to war against you, uh, but what is going to be required is you keep nothing. Nothing's kept. I want everything as a, I want everything to be a memorial to me. Uh, you're going to give it to me. You burn it with fire. It's just you can take the captives if you want, but um, you cannot take uh, the gold, the silver, the the the, the herds. Every, every, you, you will not prosper that way. If you do it my way, I'll prosper you another way. Saul said yes to this. So he goes out to war, and, uh, and he does win the battle, and it's an incredible victory, and he does what God says except for one thing. He decides to keep the sheep for the people. There was massive amounts of sheep, and let's keep them for the people and keep them for ourselves. God didn't tell him to do that. Matter of fact, God said, don't do that. He does it anyways. He sends the prophet Samuel to him, and Samuel says, what is the bleeding? I hear the bleeding of the sheep. I, hear, I can hear him in the background. What did God tell you? What have you done that God has sent me to you? Well, I got caught up a little bit and the people really wanted the sheep and therefore I wanted to give them something from their king, from me, for all their hard work. And he said, but what did God tell you to do? Well, I know, but I just thought it would be okay. And God said, this day, God has taken the kingdom away from you and has given it to another. We would find out later that would be David, praise God. But watch this. But Samuel was stripped of all of his authority in one day. Even though he was still king for many, many, many days after that, he did not have the authority. He was no longer recognized as the king of Israel. In other words, the Bible talks about the fact that he was rebellious against God, what God asked. And rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. I know that might be heavy on a Sunday morning, but that's exactly what it is. It's witchcraft. Because rebellion will move you into a place of what? Manipulation and control. And even you will try to manipulate God to get God to do what you want him to do. When I read my Bible, even if it offends me, I still got to obey it. I can't twist God's arm to make God do what I want him to do. That's manipulation and control. That's rebellion, and it's the sin of witchcraft, and God will judge it. Amen. 
And what happened, how do we know it's the sin of witchcraft? We know the Bible's just, Bible said that. That was, by, by the way, by the prophet Samuel. But not only that, but the Bible says that Saul inherited something at that moment. He first was stripped of the kingdom, and he didn't have the authority anymore, and then he inherited what else? He inherited demons into his life. He was tormented, the Bible says, by these dark spirits. What happens when rebellion gets in you and you start to disobey what God's asked you to do? You are now opening yourself up to demonic harassment. And then you wonder why, and I'm not mad at nobody. I'm just saying, please understand what I'm saying. I want you to get free. But then you wonder why you can't sleep at night. That's when you wonder why your hair is falling out. You wonder why, where did this fear come in? Where does worry come in? Why am I so anxious all the time? Somewhere we got to look at our life and go, did I disobey God? Am I doing life my way? And the moment that you open that door for demonic harassment, the devil comes into what? Robs to steal and to destroy, to kill, steal, and destroy. This is what he comes to do. But the good news is the curse comes from our disobedience, so we know how we can remove it. But let me just show you something. Deuteronomy 28 says this, but it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you. Curse shall you be and overtake you. Curse shall you be in the city. Curse shall you be in the country. Curse shall be your basket, your kneading bowl. Curse shall be the fruit of your body. And the produce of your land, increase of, of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in. Cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. In other words, you become a nuisance there, but nobody wants to be around you. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and the heart of glad gladness of heart. For the abundance of everything, therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst, nakedness, and in, in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. You say, well, God's so mean. No. God's not mean. What God does is he gives us options. We're not robots. You can live like you like, but he teaches you how to live. And then, by the way, it's not God that's cursing you. You and I were born into the curse due to sin that came through fallen man in the beginning of man time. So now we have, we, we, the only way you combat the curse is you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who can remove the curse for you. And our obedience to him keeps the curse off our back. But the moment we get in rebellion and we do it our way, we go right back into the old system and it's back to the curse again. Amen. So, so let me ask, can you curse yourself? Yes. Yes. Disobedience it is what turns the curse on. But watch this. It's your mouth that will give it direction. It's one thing to turn it on, but the moment you start speaking a certain kind of way, that's going to become the direction of your life. And by the way, not just your mouth, we'll talk about that in a second, but Sister Gossip's mouth too. And Brother Negative's mouth as well. And they'll come up to you and you'll say, well, let me just tell you something about so-and-so. You know, I know they're a brother in Christ or sister in Christ, and I'm only going to tell you this so we can pray for them. You... Well, never mind. You lie, you fry. Somebody say amen. 
In other words, you, had no, you don't care about the prayer. You don't care about the person. You just can't wait to be negative. You can't wait to gossip. And next thing you know, it's tearing down people's lives. I had a cousin in my life. I love, the, I love him, and, and he's long, long with us. He's with the Lord today. But, um, and, 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 but the thing, the thing he's funny. He's a really humorous guy, so I enjoyed it. He would come in my office. He was laid off for a little while. So he'd show up at the church, and he'd come in my office. And this was back when I was working for my dad. And, and we just chit-chat for a little bit. You know, and he was always lighthearted, but all of a sudden, that conversation started to turn. Did you notice that so-and-so at church did da-da-da-da? And I thought, and he slipped it in so sly. I was like, yeah, yeah, I did notice that. Can you believe that? You know, I heard their mother did this. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. And next thing you know, I didn't notice it, but after about a week period of him coming to my office, I had problem with about 10 people in our church that before that week I never had a problem with. And I got a problem with them, number one, and I, and I can't even confirm that what he said is even true. And all of a sudden, I'm finding myself offended with people that I don't even know that much. Oh, you didn't hear me on that one. What I'm saying is, you got to be real careful. You got to get the negative Nancys, the crazy Karens, the gloomy Gusses, the rebellious Ruperts out of your life. Come and you say, well, did you hear what the pastor said today? You got to come back to me. Well, did you hear what he said about gossip? Oh. You know, when you shut people down like that, they, they turn real quick and go the other way. Because I found something about, about negative people. They enjoy negative company. So unless you stop it, they're going to keep coming to you thinking you're just as negative as them. And the reason why they're negative is because they're so down on themselves, they got to bring somebody else down. They'll see someone else's joy and because they're not happy. They want to bring their joy down to make them feel better. And that's a devil from hell. I'm preaching pretty good right now. Well, why doesn't the church just do this? Well, who died and made you pastor? All of a sudden, you can see what I can't see. I've been doing this for 30 years, full-time ministry for 30 years this year, and we're going to celebrate that this year. Hallelujah. My wife and I, 30 years, and you ain't been in full-time ministry for 10 minutes, but you know how to run the church. I live this. I sleep this. I dream this. I pray this. This is my life. And you don't even pray about it, but you know how to run the church. Well, I'm just saying if we just did this, well, then give me some money so we can go do it. Oh, you don't like that kind of preaching when the preacher get real with you. And then give me some of your time so you can run it. But I'm not sure I'll let you run it because you got attitude problems. Got to get them out of your life. I said you got to get them out of your life. You got to have the will to win. If you want the will to win, it means you do whatever it takes. That means cutting certain people out of your life, even if they look at you crossways. We're over here, we're supposed to be talking about our city. We're supposed to be talking about how we're supposed to, we're supposed to bring the Lord Jesus Christ to our community, to the whole wide world, as an army of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And yet we're still in romper room, talking about each other. Where's our will to win? to do what it takes, to be a mature body moving together as one. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and wit oh, as a witness and earth as a witness against you today that I, that I have set before you life and death. You see this? Blessing and cursing. Therefore, 
choose. He gives us the answer key right here. That both you and your descendants may live. He tells you, I put before you life and death. He doesn't even try to hide it. Here it is. But, but you have the authority. You've got the power. You must make the choice. How about James 3, verse 8? But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Uh, my brethren, these things ought not so be. Um, this is, this is uh, vitally, vitally important for all of us to understand because, again, it's not God doing the... God blessed. Watch this. God blessed. But in order for the blessed scene to come, it's going to be up to us to declare the blessing because with us, we can declare with our tongue blessing or cursing. Somebody say amen to that. And I'll never forget this the rest of my life. It was a lesson learned. It's something I've been preaching anyways beforehand, but I was a younger preacher in my early, early 30s and maybe 31, 32, something like that. And we just took it, take it over to the church in, in Beloit. And, um, and there we had a set of elders that I, that I really loved and great people. And, and um, this particular set of elders, they had lost their son to death. He was probably in his mid-20s. And um, we know I never did find out. There was maybe suspicion of drugs, but I didn't go any further than that. They didn't divulge it, and I didn't ask. Um, but there was some talk about that, and, and, uh, and he passed, passed away. It was a, it was a big deal. And uh, Nate, would you do me a favor? Will you get my phone before I forget? I need my phone before we leave here today. I want to show something. But anyways, um, so <laughs> we were um, obviously grieving with him. Did the funeral. It was tough to do and all that. And about, about eight weeks later, this blew my mind. I get a phone call about 4 o'clock in the morning. It's from my elder. And he said, Pastor, uh, my wife has just passed away. I was like, are you kidding me? Totally picture of health. They're like, you know, mid-50s or so, maybe early 50s, and in good shape, nothing that we knew was going on. I just, was, my jaw just dropped. I went to his house, corner was there, the corner was actually just taking uh, the body out, and I'm there consoling um, my elder, and um, a good man, and he's just crying, he says, I don't get it, I don't understand what's going on. And first my son, now my wife, married for many, many years. It was terrible, 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 terrible. Did that funeral. And it's hard, especially when it's an elder's wife and, and, and you don't really have any real reason, explanation. Did an autopsy, couldn't find nothing wrong with her. Just weird set of circumstances. And um, anyways, um, it was obviously a difficult situation for our church. And then probably about... I don't know, maybe about four or five weeks later, I said, hey, buddy, you want to go to lunch and talk? We had done that in a while. And he said, yeah. So we went out to lunch, had a great conversation. In the conversation, he said, you know, Pastor, he said, I hear how you preach and everything. And he said, it's kind of new to us. And he said, but he said, I got to wonder. I said, what's that? He said, you know, uh, my wife, after my son passed away, every single night said, I just want to die. I just don't want to be here anymore. I just want to die. I just want to be with my son. She was so grieved and so hurt and all that. And, and no, by the way, you think, well, how could they do that? If you've ever lost a loved one or especially a child, you, can only, you can't even understand what people go through. Don't even try. But it's, it's, it's intense. She kept saying that over and over. He goes, I just wonder, did she curse her life with her own mouth? And I was trying to be not, I didn't want to be mean, but I said to him, yes, sir, I didn't know that, but I believe she did. 
He said, because they never found out the reason why she passed away. They couldn't figure it out. She just died. Don't tell me there's not power. You can bless your life or you can curse your life. So if you back it up, if you're always all the time saying, I'm no good, I'm not smart enough, I just can't hack it. You know, this always happens to me. I'm so accident prone. It seems like I get one step ahead and two steps back every time I try. You start talking, you just watch now. That's the fruit of your lips. It's bearing in your life, right? Amen. And so here, here's how we change that. Joshua 1, chapter 8 gives us the clues. It says, the book this book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, think, think, think in it day and night. So my thoughts are on the word of God. It comes out of my mouth daily, day and night, that you may observe to do. Now I'm putting it into action according to all that is written in it. Watch what happens when you do this. Here's the, here's the answer. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. When we're praying for us to prosper, which just simply means to do well, to do better than we did last year, right? To prosper, to have life more abundantly, to have an overflow in our life, right? To have that and then to have good success you pray and say, God, we want these things. And what he says to you, good, you're now in agreement with me. Now speak forth my word. What does my word have to say about your, your success and your prosperity? What do you talk, how do you talk about your success? Where is the word of God to be? Well, I got it hidden in my heart. Watch that. Because that's good. That's a good answer. But if it's truly in your heart, it shouldn't be hidden. Well, I got it hidden in my heart. No, you can't hide the word that's in your heart. Well, what do you mean? I do it all the time. No, 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 no. You might be memorizing scriptures. You may make you feel good and religious, like you're doing something nice for God. But you, the word cannot be hidden once it's in your heart. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. No more hiding, praise God. We know who you are by the things that you say. We know what's in your heart by the things that come out of your mouth. I love Jesus, but you hate everybody else. Well, how dare you judge me that way? Well, this is the way you talk about people. I am preaching. I'm preaching pretty good, too. Amen. Prosperity and success comes when you speak the word of God. So that if you can curse yourself, you can also bless yourself through the word of God. Isaiah 65, 16. So that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. Oh, I can bless myself. And he who swears curses in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from eyes. It proves, that scripture proves that I can bless myself. How do you bless yourself? Through bold, confident, faith-filled words. Good looking. I don't need your approval. Thank you very much. I didn't get any either. I'm a good man. I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. I'm a good pastor. Uh, I do well with my money. Uh, I got a great life. Great wife. 
great children. You see what I'm doing? I'm speaking the words of life. Instead of saying, I'm a terrible dad. I wish I would have done this better. You know, some of y'all look over the, when you go over your pictures of all you see your kids, you start to grieve a little bit because you go, I wish I would have done this. I wish I could have done that. I wish I could have, should have, would all that stuff. And it begins to get on you and you become negative of who you are. Amen. And so you got to learn to speak boldly, confidently, faith-filled words. Watch what Psalms 2.8 says. Y'all got to get this. Here we go. Next level faith. Here it is. Ask of me, God said, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And you got problem believing God to meet the car note at the end of the month. Come on, y'all. He said, ask of me and I will give you all the inheritance of the earth. It shall become your possession. I wonder if we can get 10 people in this room that would say, I'm going to start believing God for more than just my bills. I got a destiny to fulfill. Hallelujah. Ask of me, God says. Ask of me, God said. Ask him. Bible says you have not because you ask not. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. And whatever you ask in my name, it will be granted unto you. Do we got some bold, confident, faith-filled people that are ready to speak the word of God in the face of your problems? And by the way, learning to speak and articulate with greater detail is the quickest way to get your breakthrough. When you can learn to speak in detail. Well, God, you know, just touched my life today. That's not detail. God said, well, we'll work on that. We'll get to see what you need today, I guess. No, no, no. You speak what you need. Declare what it is you not need in your life. That's why he, what Jesus walked up to a man named Blind Bartimaeus. He was labeled by his handicap. He's blind, y'all. Blind, begging. Everybody knows it. Jesus walks up and says, what would you have me do for you? It's pretty evident what he needs, Jesus, over here. He's called blind Bartimaeus. What would you have me to do to you. It's not because Jesus doesn't understand what he's going through. It's not because he doesn't know what he needs. It's not up to him. You got to become specific. And blind Bartimaeus said, my sight, Lord, be it unto you according to your faith. And blind Bartimaeus was healed in that very moment. Specific. I said specific. Our building was, you know, we were believing God many years ago for this building. Didn't know it was this building. We were renting a facility and we got our confession out and we started speaking our confession. Even with the visitors, we'd stand up and we'd read the screen and we would confess the word of God concerning our place. And we said the scriptures of houses. God, you're going to give us houses. We didn't build. 
You're gonna give us vineyards we didn't plant. You're gonna give us wells we didn't dig. God, there's something already available for us. We just don't know it yet, but we thank you for it. And we start speaking the word of God. And we got specific. We said, God, we need a place large enough to grow. God, we need a place where we can do our performances. God, we said these words, we need a big enough parking lot to be able to house the people. We said all of those things. And again, we didn't know what God was doing at the time for, for our benefit. But the moment I, you know, I'm not gonna tell the story, but the moment I drove by this building, everything inside me clicked. I don't know that it would have clicked had we not been confessing the word of God. My heart was not prepared to receive what God wanted to offer us. Amen, somebody. And when I stood, God said, claim this building for me. And I did the generalized prayer. God, may this building be used for your glory because I was too afraid to say the kind of prayer that I needed to say. And God said, that's it? And I said, no, sir, I already knew what he meant. And I looked around because I was embarrassed a little bit. I kind of looked around a little bit at Rocky Rococo's, looked over down the street over here. Nobody's looking at me. And I pointed at the, at the building right outside those doors. And I pointed inside that foyer. And, I, and that was a funky back in those days. It was different. It was, a, it was a different. It was not like that. It had that crazy carpet on the floor. It had the neon sign. Y'all remember what it used to look like. Some of you have been in here. And back in those days. And I pointed in and I said, I claim this building for Jeff Pruitt. I claim it for Faith Builders International Ministry. I got bold and I got specific. And then I walked away knowing I had, I had this thing until God told me, tell the people we got it. And then I was like, no. Why? Because in the natural, we didn't have it. What God was teaching me was faith. You're going to believe this or you're not going to believe this. And then he gave me the scriptures out of the word of God and said, go into the city opposite you. And when, when you go there, you're going to find a colt that's been tied up, loose it. And then when they say, what are you doing with it? You say, it's for the master's use and let it go. And the Lord spoke to me, says, I'm sending you to that place. We already knew the building was, but he said, I'm sending that place. He said, that is the donkey. He said, that was, that's been tied up for me. This is not about you, son. This is about me. It's been tied up for me. Your job is to loose it and let it go. And when they ask, what are you doing with it? You say, the Lord has use of it. And they let it go. They stole it. And God said, you're going to get that building for a steal. Come on, y'all. And he did just what he said. Come on, that's exactly what happened. Church, when you see an obstacle, don't see obstacle, see promotion. Every time you're moving ahead doing, and there's an obstacle, there's, it's, it's because on the other side of that obstacle is your promotion. And there are battles going on. But the good news is you're going to get the spoils of war. That's why you don't stop. You keep on moving. It comes down to this. Do you have the will to win? Are you in it to win it? Let me just, I got a couple more things. I'm, we're moving on. First Thessalonians 5.3 says, in the last days, they shall say peace and safety. All is well. Just relax. Nothing to see here. Everything's okay. Go with the flow. Don't struggle against it. Then shall sudden destruction come and overtake them. We've got to be prepared and willing to fight in the spirit. There's so much going on in the world, in America and the world. We've got to learn to fight in the spirit because flesh and blood is not my issue. So the moment I start getting angry and hateful toward a people or a people group or whatever it might be, that's not God. I turned off, and y'all know, I, you know I'm a conservative guy. And I'm not a liberal, y'all know that. So that's, no, that's, no, that's not, no, nothing to debate here. But I have respect for all people, you understand? 
but I turned off my favorite news source that backed the things I like to hear because I realized they didn't love me. They're not there to give me news source. They're there to sell me spin because it's got to keep me upset so I'll keep on tuning in and tuning in and tuning in and they say the same thing every half hour. And they say, we got breaking news. And it's the same news. And that thing comes, bang. You're like, oh my God, here it comes. <gasps> and you go, this is the same news. And you all are watching the same thing you've been watching too. Every news, major news source that is out there has one agenda, and that's to make sure they got that money coming in. And the way they get the money coming in is through advertisers. And the more people watching them means more money in their pockets. They're not out looking out for you. We're going to have to look for some news sources that are alternative so we can actually get the facts. America needs, especially Christians, need the facts. Because what I found out, they're making, it's, I'm going to tell you something. I believe, see, I'm, I'm stepping across in areas I probably shouldn't go. But let me just say this to you. I believe they are the false prophets of Baal. Every last one of them. Prognosticating what they want to see in America. We buy it. We think it's real. And now we're hating one another. And the tension is getting greater and greater and greater. But you know what I know is the tension left? The moment I stopped listening to the news. How come I can't give but five people amen to me? Because you're, you're, you're addicted. I was addicted too. But boy, I let that thing go and peace returned to my life. Joy returned to my life. Now, I never, never disliked a certain people. That's not, not my thing. I, I've been free from that forever. But I'm saying it made me mad. I was always, why am I so keyed up all the time? I see one thing, oh, them dirty, you know. Yeah. Right? That's not God's spirit. That's not what God wants for his people. We need to get our news source from heaven. What's God saying? God can use whatever he wants to use. Somebody say amen. amen. 